trending news right now. We look at what's happened in the world of social media the last 24 hours, joined again on this terrific Tuesday by Mighty Jamie, researcher, analyst, and social commentator. How are you today, Mighty? I'm very good. How are you? Good, thanks. Hoping the day ended and on a good note yesterday for you, and we are ready for a terrific Tuesday. Yes, yes, it did actually. Uh, no, it was many events, which is good. Yeah, okay. Hashtag Winnie Museum Project. Let's talk about that today, starting there with the seventh arrest being made for the alleged looting of funds from the Winnie Mandela Museum Project. So this was uh, meant for the Winnie Madigizela Mandela Brandfed House Museum in the Free State. It would have been based and funds were taken. Yeah, so there's reporting here that the Hawks have arrested a seventh person in connection with this a gentleman known as Jean Duplessis, who aged 41, and uh, there are seven, six other co-accused. And fundamentally what we're looking at here is the issue of fraud, corruption, money laundering, contravention of the PFMA and the Municipal Finance Management Act. I think this story just is an indication of how, you know, good projects just get... Um, hijacked by corrupt people and the results never materialize for the people because if you if you think about it this is a free state's uh, sports art and culture department scandal but it's typical of the things that we've seen where something gets announced everybody thinks what an amazing project the country really needs this this can generate tourism revenue this can generate uh, you know cultural um, capital so to speak and then the money gets looted the money gets stolen so there's some progress here uh, in terms of the arrests that have happened. But if you think about it, this is something that happened across the country. So many projects, so many uh, historical places that have not really been developed because at some point there was a project for it and the money got stolen. So this 41-year-old man, uh, Jan Haram Duplessis, he's charged with uh, fraud and theft. And we understand his case has been postponed to Thursday. Yeah, so we'll have to keep following all of this um, in terms of like to get to, you know, completion, really. But, I mean, he's not the only one who's been charged. Uh, there's uh, more people who are charged with six, six names there. Uh, Torello, uh, Malakwane, uh, you know, s- several other units. Aaron, uh, it looks like it was a multiracial crime. There's an 80-year-old man there as well. Um, there's Georgia Tabani, 47. Two companies were involved in this, you know, uh, architect in Algamation and architects Celia's gravest thing. What happens to all them, the, then, the co-accused? Well, uh, the co-accused are all going to face the same charges. I think at some point they will all, when the trial formally starts, everyone will be um, on the dock at the same time. But the companies are not likely to be charged. Um, so what normally happens there is that the companies or the people who benefited within the company are going to basically walk away. All right, let's talk hashtag Tswane ANC. They want uh, to table a no-confidence motion against the mayor of Tswane there, Mayor Williams. According to the ANC, Williams, who is a DA member, has effectively failed in his duty as mayor. I see a not-so-long-ago history repeating itself. Yes, yes. So this is going to be a test of the ANC's capacity to recapture more of uh, you know the province. Uh, fundamentally, they're saying that they have no confidence in Randall Williams, and we're going to see whether or not they can pull everything together in terms of the smaller parties. Um, Herman Mashaba has been under a lot of pressure, um, you know, from donors and from some media circles for siding with the ANC, etc. So it's unclear whether or not, you know, the same dynamics which existed in 
Johannesburg will materialize in Swane as well. But it does look as if the ANC is going to test whether or not they have enough support. Part of the challenge that has existed is that the DA itself has been very adversarial to many of the smaller parties, you know, very dismissive of the EFS, very dismissive of the AM, of the of the Action SA party and several other smaller parties in their coalition agreements have often felt like they were being bullied. Mm. So the question then will also be in terms of have they been able to repair some of those relationships because if they continue to bleed, um, you know, metros that they won in the build up to twenty twenty four, I don't think it inspires confidence confidence in the public about their capacity to be, you know, the adult in the room and in charge of the coalition as well. So there's two parties, three that I'm going to be watching quite closely here. One, the ANC itself, are they able to put everything together now that Panyaza is running the show um, in terms of uh, provincially? Number two, SNSA, are they still going to be committed to distancing themselves from the DA and trying to go it on, the, on their own lane? And number three, whether or not actually the Democratic Alliance has been able to mend some of the relationships that they actually like, uh, you know, didn't take care of uh, in the last year and a half. Further up the continent, let's move. Uh, hashtag Nigeria floods. More than 600 reported to be killed. Earlier reports were that the toll is at 500. Tell us more about this flooding. Yeah, so Nigeria is suffering its worst flooding in a decade. And um, farmland infrastructure and 200,000 homes uh, have been, you know, wholly or partly destroyed. And the reports currently are saying that 603 people have died and more than 2,400 other people have been injured and effectively over 1.4 million people displaced. So this is a massive, massive, um, you know, destruction of property. And it's partly as a result of the rainy season. However, it's not the only reason why this has been happening. The New York Times is reporting that every year Cameroon, uh, which runs along the length of Nigeria's eastern border, they have a dam which they release water from Mm -hmm. in northern Cameroon. And that causes flooding downstream in Nigeria. At the time when the the dam was constructed, this one in Cameroon, Two dams were supposed to be built. A twin dam was supposed to be built on the Nigerian side to contain the overflow. But guess what happened? The second dam in Nigeria was never built. And that actually now has created the situation where Cameroon keeps, you know, releasing the water from their dam. But then because the Nigerians never built the dam on their side, that creates this um, continuous issue on that side of the country. And then, of course, the other factor is climate change. Yeah, and we were just talking the, about that yesterday, looking yes. at the impact in terms of the Paris protests. Yes, of course, of course. So there, the United Nations uh, humanitarian coordinator for the country actually said that, you know, the extreme flooding is also as a result of climate change. So we're seeing that uh, climate change is affecting all parts of Africa, you know, causing ruin. We've seen what it's been doing in East Africa with the floods, in places like Kenya with the locusts eating a, a lot of the crops as well, in East Africa with the flooding, which has been happening in uh, Southern Africa, you know, some of the cyclones we've seen over here in Mozambique uh, as well. So it looks as if, um, you know, Africa is taking a big punishment from uh, climate change. And one of the things you have to think about is that we don't always have the same amount of capital mm. as the rest of the world to fix the problems of destruction when they unfold. Because you know how African states have been operating in this particular instance. It's clear that the, the Nigerian government ate the money 
which is supposed to be for the second dam, but in the second instance that they don't have capacity just to go and fix the, the, the lives of 1.4 million people which have been destroyed. And if you think about the poverty levels in Nigeria, you know, Nigeria neglects over 90 million people who live in extreme poverty, and they let them find their own way. And that's not a sustainable way for a country to operate. And it's one of the red flags, actually, in terms of um, African development, what is happening in Nigeria. So does it speak to that then? I mean, as you had said before, there were plans to release water from the dam when it was at about 91% capacity back in September on the side of Cameroon. That didn't happen. Is it a finance issue? It's a multiplicity of things, right? So it's the rain, it's climate change, and the failure to build this dam um, by the Nigerian side. Because even if, you know, um, Cameroon tries to not open the dam, at some point they have to do it because then they're going to get the flooding on their side. It's just the way dams work, right? So the, the, the reason why they had to be two was that both sides could benefit from the massive flow of water mm. without having the environmental destruction uh, or without having the impacts of the flooding. But at some point, that money was not, you know, uh, it didn't go where it was supposed to go. And now when you have more rain and more flooding, then you end up having the massive destruction you have here. And even when you look at the pictures, one of the other issues that I've seen here is that the roads are mud roads. So even if people are trying to leave in many of the places, they didn't have enough uh, road infrastructure to be able to get out. And so then they are stranded. And fuel shortages reported in the capital, Abuja, I mean, it, it's a ripple effect. And from one thing, it just flows exactly. into other problems. 90,000 homes underwater. Now there's going to be a housing issue as well. Exactly. And it, it's, a, it's a real crisis if you think about it, because these things don't happen in isolation. You know, when one thing affects a part of the country in this particular way, it becomes a big issue across the whole country. You can't isolate these climate disasters simply to those area and ignore it because it does have a trickle-down effect and not necessarily a trickle in this in this instance on everything else. So it's, it's a big issue and it continues to be one of the things that exposes African leaders and African governments where they haven't taken care of their side of things, even though it's very clear that the weather is getting more extreme and, um, you know, that the impact of more extreme weather events is that the poorest people in the country suffer. Let's go overseas then, talking hashtag Russia and hashtag Ukraine, hashtag prisoner swap. Russia and Ukraine, they've swapped prisoners. This includes 108 Ukrainian women. Tell us more. Well, so um, what we're getting reports from our various media outlets around the world is that Moscow and Kiev basically have carried out the the biggest prisoner swap of the year so far, exchanging a total of 208 detainees. So part of that 208 were 180 Ukrainian women and 110 Russian uh, officials and military guys who got captured and spies, etc. So I think um, the significance of the prisoner swap actually is around the issue of them being able to come to the table and negotiate. It's almost a dry run for some of the bigger issues which uh, the global community is concerned about because if Russia and Ukraine cannot come to a certain common terms of reference for what a peace deal looks like. This war is going to continue. But what we're seeing, and we spoke about it a little bit yesterday, is that there are protests in many parts of, the, of, of Europe. There are new governments in parts of Europe, like Italy, for example, with, for example, with Giorgio Meloni. Mm-hmm. And the enthusiasm for 
continuing with this war is waning because as Europe gets into winter, uh, you know, the, the whole aim of the game from the European side was to try to give Ukraine as much military power as possible to prevent this reaching the winter point. Because when the winter point arrives, the advantage goes to Putin in the respect of that Europe needs gas, Europe needs oil. And even now, the price of oil is started creeping up a little bit on the bulk markets. So if they can't get to a deal, then it means that the war gets very painful for everyone in Europe. And even now, you know, uh, Liz Trust and her government are actually facing a lot of pressure. And they were some of the biggest backers um, of, of, of uh, Ukraine. So even though there's been a new round of sanctions that has been announced against Russia, everyone is really looking at what does the negotiation table look like. And so to be able to get wheat out of uh, Ukraine, for example, with an international uh, negotiation panel that was viewed as a positive move, to be able to get a prisoner swap of this scale to be done is also looked at as a positive move because fundamentally people are worried that there has to be some kind of an off-ramp from this conflict that everyone can accept, even if it's not um, what everyone would like. So what is the off-ramp for Putin? What is the off-ramp for Zelensky? What is the off-ramp for NATO? What is the off-ramp for uh, Russia and uh, China, etc.? Until that is all sorted out, um, this war is going to continue. So that's what the, 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 the subject is in this particular prisoner swap. Obviously, it's a positive thing that these women got freed, but on the other side of the equation is really the question of can Russia and Ukraine come to the negotiating table to make some kind of a deal. What happens now to all those women returned as a part of rehabilitation, these 108 Ukrainian female prisoners? Reports are that eldest is 62 and the youngest 21. Well, to be honest with you, from what the Ukrainian president's staff has said, 12 of them were civilians. So it seems as if they had some kind of official government position or they were military or they were spies or some, something to that effect. So it, it seems very likely that they will go back to their military type of work uh, if only 12 of them were civilians of the 108. And then they probably will get some kind of therapy and some kind of, you know, um, counseling. Ukraine actually gets a lot of funding from the West for these kinds of interventions, you know, military-related interventions, because Zelensky has been asking for money the whole year and has been getting large amounts of money from the European and American community. So I think that they'll be able to take care of them um, in terms of what their needs are. But note that only 12 of them were civilians, and normally that's code language when a government official says that to say, no, these people were actually active on the field. All right. Let's end on hashtag 2022 word of the year, bringing this back home. The Pan-South African Language Board and they collaborated with the media research company called Focal Points to release a shortlist for the 2022 mm. South African Word of the Year. What's on the shortlist? <laughs> so the, the words that are on the shortlist, and I don't know if I should spoil it for anyone, so we won't tell them the winners so that they can go check it for themselves. Okay. But the, the nominees are Pala Pala, of course. Uh, Load Shedding, <laughs> Xenophobia, Inganegwane, and Gaslighting. So those are, and I think they, they do speak a lot to where uh, the politics of South Africa are right now. If you think about the list, palapala, load shedding, xenophobia, inganegwane, and gaslighting. Those are the five words. If I were to choose one that I think 
is uh, a perfect description of where people feel yeah. the, it's in Ganegwane. I think because Welele and Ganegwane have been repeated so many times because people are tired <laughs> of the fake promises that they have been receiving from politicians. You know that if you've even had the, the, the chance to read the NDP and some of the very big aspirations that were expressed in terms of this is where we're going to be by 2030, and now we're in 2022, actually going to 2023, and many people are frustrated with having heard all of these promises and policies and all of these grand things from politicians, but yet they are realized they never see any of that stuff. So I think that's why Indianibane resonated with people. You know, people don't want to hear about a father and his, ch- and his daughter working in the forest anymore. They want real things that they can taste and feel. Nothing about Umjolo. No, no, I think Umjolo. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perennial one. If they did a tap ten, I think they would. Yeah. It would have showed up. <laughs> I think that one also is a contender. <laughs> is there a specific age group that is a, a focus of the study? Well, you know, I, I don't know where they, they whether they age grouped it, but uh, it seems as if they just look at social media mm-hmm. buzzwords and things that have been coming up all over on the platform, and that's how they do it. Uh, that's really the, maybe also they would probably look at uh, words that are being googled the most and what showed up in the news articles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it probably will tilt towards. Um, social media usage uh, and some of the stuff which was covered in the mainstream as opposed to just general discussion across the country. Okay, so the winner for Word of the Year, has it been announced yet? Yes, yes. So they did post it in their in their uh, YouTube uh, Eyewitness News posted it. So I don't know whether they want to spoil it for people. So you tell me. I can tell you what the winner was. Uh, uh, yeah, tell us, because it's not on an SABC platform. So let's make it okay. on an SABC <laughs> platform now. <laughs> Low shading. Load shedding. Of course. Yeah. Yay. And the winner is load shedding. <laughs> and load shedding would like to thank its parents. It would like to thank its friends. It would like to thank the AMC for making all of this happen. All of this wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> Without our creator above the ANC, it would not have been. <laughs> well, let's leave it on that note. Yeah, okay. We have to laugh at these things as much as this yeah, we have to. out. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Mighty. Have a great day. Uh, day. You too. My TJ Me is a researcher, analyst, and social commentator discussing trending news here on SFM Sound Awake. What are your thoughts on that one? Actually, Sound Awakers, do let us know. And what if you don't agree with it? What happens if a group of us doesn't agree with these words of the. But I think we do agree. I think we do. What else is going to be more than load shedding or even palapala, the runners up and inganekwane and gaslighting? Hey, everything was about gaslighting. I guess that t- touches on the umjolo topic. Everyone talking about that and self-love and uh, choosing to uh, focus on yourself more. I think 2022 showed us that. 32 minutes past four.